Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is navigating relationships and your mental health. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kind of Dating. I have a really great guest I'm so excited about, and we're going to jump right in. Um, She is a writer, a podcaster, a mental health advocate, and geez, add on top of it, an author of an amazing book called Overthinking About You, Navigating Romantic Relationships When You Have Anxiety, OCD, and or Depression. We got Allison Raskin in the house. What's up? Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I love the title of this book. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Very on the nose. I felt like it explained exactly what it was going to be about. Um, Also, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about my own experiences with anxiety and depression and living with all of that for a long time. So um, I very much resonated with a lot of those things that you were talking about. But before we jump in, we ask everybody, single or in a relationship? Uh, recently married. Oh, recently? Yes. When? In August. Oh my gosh, congrats. <laughs> Thank you so much. How long were you guys together? Um, I guess two and a half years when we got married. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is he the one? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, hate I hope so. <laughs> well, I don't believe in the one, yeah, which is something we could get into yes, later. Yes, <laughs> so please. I love that. So tell us about this book. You started with oh, overthinking about you navigating romantic relationships when you have anxiety, OCD, and depression. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I um, was horrible at dating and I thought that that was just a thing about me. But I was also someone who struggled with their mental health for my entire life, pretty much. So when I was four years old, I was diagnosed with OCD. And pretty much since then, I've been, you know, on and off struggling with OCD, anxiety, bouts of depression. And it took a really long time for me to kind of connect that my mental health was impacting my dating life and how much my dating life was impacting my mental health. And so around like 2019, I started to realize that I was showing up in a different way in relationships and that it wasn't as um, dangerous for me to date as it sort of had been in the past. And I was like, oh, this is interesting that you can kind of get better at this. (laughs) Um, And that was sort of like the genesis of the book was sort of like telling my story of, of disaster to more stable. Um, But then I really wanted to blow it out where it wasn't just me, you know, sharing what happened to me, but 
um, something that would be really helpful and a resource for everyone. So um, in the book, I interview a bunch of different therapists, a psychiatrist, um, some sex experts, dating experts, and just try to kind of give like a toolbox for people to to navigate this really vulnerable, hard thing that we do. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. It's so helpful because uh, we need more of that. I don't know if you know some of the stats, but like Gen Z especially are, uh, you know, like mental health issues are yeah through the roof for them. Um, and it like breaks my heart, you know, that like we already as, a, I feel like as millennials have gone through that, but theirs is just seems to be much more exasperated. So it's a uh, really, really uh, tough. And I'm glad that you're doing this. Um, so you said that you showed up differently on dates. What does that mean? Like it used to be that, you know, if somebody didn't like me, then that was such a huge blow that that rejection was so awful. Um, being really insecurely attached, I'd say where I, you know, was always looking for proof that the person didn't like me enough, that I wasn't good enough. Um, and that's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, like if you are looking at your partner with the expectation that they they don't love you, you will be able to find proof of that, whether or not it actually is true. Um, and so I got to a place where I just really kind of improved the relationship I have with myself. And by doing that and by kind of building up my self-esteem, by learning kind of how to self-soothe in those anxious moments rather than like needing the reassurance of a partner, um, I just was different and it, it no longer felt like as as scary to date. Um, and I felt like I had my first relationship where I was like more securely attached and I was like, wow, this is way better. <laughs> is that the with your uh, husband now? No, um, that was actually with my ex-fiance. And so we got engaged and I was like, I did it. I figured this whole thing out. And then six months after we got engaged, he just like abruptly left. Um, oh my god! With like no explanation other than something was missing. And so I was in the process of writing the book and literally like my worst fear in the entire world happened. And then I kind of became the guinea pig of the book where I was like, well, I guess I got to actually listen to the advice I was giving other people and sort of use it to not, you know, completely fall apart. I'd say that like I was heartbroken, but I didn't have the mental spiral. I didn't reach the levels of like depression or suicidal ideation or self-harm that I maybe would have if that had happened a few years earlier. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, it's such a great uh, it's terrible thing to happen. <laughs> I, I mean, like a great arc in terms of, you know, really going through that anxiety and then getting tested mm -hmm. and then overcoming it. Yeah, I mean, I had to literally rewrite the last chapter of the book. <laughs> so That must have been a long rewrite. <laughs> yeah. uh, you had to wait a while to get that done? <laughs> I had to wait a couple months, definitely. Um, and then, you know, my editor was like going through and being like, you mentioned him here, you mentioned him there. Like, and just like seeing all these things I'd written about by ex about how he was so wonderful and our relationship was so great. And then it was like, whoop, got to cut that. Um, but, you know, I really don't think that our relationship wasn't great. You know, I think that it was a time during COVID and like sometimes people change and sometimes people fall out of love and sometimes people's anxiety makes them feel a certain way. And, um, it was, it's not an experience that I would wish upon anybody, but it also like taught me that partnership is something that I want. And even if like you have to go through hardship to get to it and like, I'm proud of myself that I kept trying and that now I'm, you know, happily married. Hey friends, it's your girl Natasha Chandale and I've got some really cool news to share. 
I'm finally offering one-on-one virtual dating coaching. That's right. You've been sliding in my DMs for years, but let's finally chat face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom. If you're in a dating rut, let's get you out. I'm the friend you never had and the honest dating coach you need. Whether you're in a relationship or looking for one, I'm here to talk through your problem, provide personalized guidance, and find a solution. For all you loyal listeners, you know that I had a string of unhealthy relationships. After escaping an abusive one, I decided to take accountability for my love life, healed myself, and put myself on a path to dating success. I am now in a happy, healthy relationship and want to help empower you in your dating journey too. I want to get you to an empowered state where you're making dating decisions from a positive, secure place. So when the stars align and you meet that right person, you're ready to welcome them. My approach is honest, practical, because I've actually dated in the modern landscape, optimistic, and I tend to go deep. And as a woman of color and an immigrant, I understand the nuances of many cultures. And with my background as a comedian, we'll probably have some laughs along the way. If you're ready to take control of your dating life, let's chat. Go to our new website, www.kindadating.com slash services for 50% off your first introductory session. That's right, 50% off your first introductory dating coaching session. Go to www.kindadating.com slash services and book your dating coaching session with me today. Talk soon. Yeah, I love I, I really appreciate that that you that you say that. But like when you went through it, what were some of those thoughts in your head? Um, because I'm sure no matter what you say, that first initial part of who you were, I don't know if you feel like that. I I have also had like a, a nice journey with my anxiety and been able to, you know, find tools to control it now. But um when those first things happen your mind does revert back to the old person, right? A little yeah. bit. And then you have to like, ah, no, stop. Don't go there. I think that a big thing that happens um, is what if thoughts, mm-hmm. um, which is something I talk a lot about in the book. It's like, but what if I had done this? What if I had done that? Like, what if this, you know, like, um, and realizing that that wasn't serving me, like I couldn't go back and fix the problem. Like he was gone. <laughs> um, and so spending a lot of time trying to, to solve it or to blame myself wasn't really worth it. Also, like, you know, I think an anxious mind really likes uh, certainty and clarity. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel like, okay, something is missing. Therefore, my job is to figure out what that something is. And that's so harmful, right? Because one, I'll never know if I was right because I'm not going to ask him. He's never going to tell me. Um, And then all I'm doing in the process of trying to answer that question is picking the things that I like the least about myself and assuming that that was the issue. And that doesn't really do anything because I'm never going to have clarity and then I'm just beating myself up. And so really instead just focusing on the grief and focusing on the loss instead of like saying that, that this event reflects something innate about me. And I think that that was a real shift because in the past, it was like a lot of catastrophizing where, oh, this person left, therefore I will be alone forever. Therefore I am unlovable. You know, not letting yourself take those leaps from A to C and instead just really focusing on, on like the A to B of like, he left, now what? Rather than like, he left, the world is over. Yeah, that's a, a really great point. I mean, you, what I also appreciate is in the last, like the last bit you said that, he wasn't a bad person. It wasn't that that anything was 
it wasn't the relationship was bad, but a lot of times in these kinds of situations, something we always talk about is most of the time people aren't good or bad. It's just that you're trying to find a right fit for you. And sometimes life, like you said, like in, in pandemic, a lot of people changed mm-hmm. and, and their view of life changed and, and their puzzle basically changed. And the, the pieces of that jigsaw puzzle suddenly fit and some didn't fit. And, and that doesn't mean that the whole relationship was bad or that the right. person was bad. It's just a really hard thing to accept that these things aren't sometimes a fit. But also closure is a very overrated concept, <laughs> right? Like everybody, I had a friend and I, I mean, I, I've been cheated on. I've, you know, my ex also, um, I thought we were going to get married and he left me. Um, well, he cheated on me with grandma's. Whole other story. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's it's like, I can't make it up. But, um, but it's that like, I realized after a bunch of breakups that you were never going to get closure that even if somebody did tell you, it's never totally satisfying. Cause you're just like, well, fuck you. You fucking (laughs) twat. Like let, like you should have just talked to me about this. You know what I mean? But at that point, their mind is made up. There's nothing you're going to do. So, uh, I have another friend who, um, a couple of years ago, he went through a really bad breakup where she, I think he suspected she was cheating or whatever. I don't know. They broke up and he just became obsessed with trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she will never tell you. And he was like, I'm going to get her to tell me. I was like, she will never tell you. You you think anybody's going to like come out and say that, that they were a shitty person because they got tempted by somebody? No, they're not going to say shit. They're just, sometimes you have to like let it go. Yeah. And, and also like recognize that you don't really need those answers to move on. Mm -hmm. That it's, you know, I think for me, the big thing was I didn't want that experience to change me in a way. Like it would be very easy for me after that to not trust anybody. And for a while I did struggle with that. And I definitely struggled with abandonment issues and things, but recognizing that like, that was something I had to work through rather than that was something that my next partner who became my husband had to solve for me. Like, you know, I had to learn how to tolerate that discomfort rather than him having to like overly reassure me or move at a different pace than he was comfortable with. I mean, so much of dating is really learning how to self-soothe. And I feel like we're not really taught how to do that. Oh, it's very true because, uh, something I've told people a lot is I'm like dating in and of itself is not actually hard. And I know that that seems very like a weird concept because everybody's like, dating is so hard. Dating is so hard. I'm like, dating in and of itself is not hard. Being half a human with somebody for an hour of your life, that is not difficult. We do it all the time. What's hard is managing your feelings before and after it because every interaction, it's like an open wound, right? Whatever you have, it gets scratched every time you go on these dates. And now it becomes this like open wound and you're walking around with this. And that's the part that becomes really, really difficult to work through. And like you said, we are not taught tools to just go through a date. It was bad. Maybe, and it wasn't even bad because most of the time when people tell me they had bad dates, it's not because it was actually like they did something horrible. Mm -hmm. They just didn't connect and it was boring. And because of that, they felt frustrated and their frustration turned into, I'm not lovable. I'll never find somebody. I'm going to die alone. And so that spiral happens, but that the date wasn't bad. (laughs) It's just that they weren't a fit. 
But what sucks is that you had all these feelings after it and we don't, we're not equipped to deal with those feelings. So I, I like that you're kind of sharing some of these tools with people of how to manage, especially the, the anxious and mental health feelings, like alongside depression and stuff like that. Um, what do you think is the hardest part for people who uh, have mental health issues when it comes to dating? I think it's such a range, you know, I think everyone experiences, you know, mental illness differently. Like if I say I have anxiety and you say you have anxiety, like there's like an assumption that we have had similar experiences when in reality, maybe our anxiety manifests completely differently and the way that we deal with our anxiety is completely different. Um, And so I think that what's really important is to be able to understand how, um, your mental health operates. And so, right, like I think there's this assumption that if somebody's right for you, then they automatically know how to be there for you and how to show up for you. And it's like, how would they? <laughs> like, you know, they're you're two totally different people with totally different experiences and backgrounds and families and probably cultures. And like, you know, that assumption I think does us so much harm. And so I think the most effective thing that you can do is really have a sense of how your brain works and then be able to communicate that to your partner. So to me, it's not like, oh, he didn't know that what I needed was for him to make me dinner because I was stressed. It's more like that doesn't show me that that's a bad partner. A bad partner to me is when you say, can you please make dinner? I'm very stressed. And then they go, no, (laughs) right? Like you have to give them the opportunity and the information so that they can help you. And then you also have to recognize that like, aside from when people are in crisis um, or like are dealing with really, you know, chronic and severe mental health issues, like you are your primary helper. Like you are responsible for your mental health and then your partner is your secondary helper. And so sort of like trying to establish that dynamic instead of like, oh, this person will fix me. This person will make me better. Instead, it's like I'm responsible for me and then this person's like my support system. Yeah, I think it's very important to definitely know how your um, your mental health issues manifest. I think it's such a key thing. And then being able to express it. I've struggled with both anxiety and depression. Usually they tend to go together. But uh, I've had like some major kind of depressive episodes in life. And, uh, and then I've had to be very conscious. And, you know, therapy has taught me that, that sometimes my my go-to state when there's a crisis can be first anxious and then severe depression. Mm -hmm. And so that getting to that depressive, when I've gotten to that depression phase, I've had to learn that like, oh, these are the things I need in that moment. And it's, I've learned it over time. And now I've been able to communicate it to my partner where I say, hey, if this happens, you just have to know this, this, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I have my, you know, my support is like, I call my mom, I call my best friend and I actually have to say the words, Hey, I'm depressed. Yeah. And like, they're the people that I feel safe to say that. And then they know to kick in and they're like, okay, check on her and do this. And for him, it's like, give me some space. I might not always be happy for a little bit, but just, you know, sometimes I just need, I know it sounds stupid, but like my self-soothing is like doing one thing a day that makes me happy. And sometimes it's like ice cream, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like something as simple as like that or taking a walk in nature. Mm-hmm. And so he has now become conscious when, you know, especially when, um, in LA, the strikes were going on in the beginning of the strikes, I was part of dual strikes in WGA and mm-hmm. SAG. And that first 
month and a half was really rough because it was also my birthday and you're anyways having existential crisis around your birthday. But then you're like, oh my God, my Indian parents were right. I chose the wrong industry. (laughs) I should have done something else. Like, what am I doing? And I fell in a real spiral, you know, but again, because he was equipped with information, he knew to like kind of be patient with me and like, let me cry it out when I needed to. And um, just kind of fed my soul in the meantime. And then I came out of it and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I think communicating that is so key. And it also starts with awareness. Like you're saying, yeah. it's such an important thing. And also that like the goal with our mental health, it like, you know, our mental health journey is never linear and there are always going to be backslides. There's always going to be bumps in the road. But I think something that we can get better at is recognizing the signs, right? So like if you can recognize, oh, I think I might be getting depressed, then you can sort of step in and help yourself earlier, maybe before you slide all the way down. Or like I always talk about, it's not that I'm not going to have a bad reaction to something or get upset. It's like, I'm focusing on, increasing my recovery time so that it's like, mm. I, it doesn't ruin my whole day. Maybe it only ruins half an hour, <laughs> you know? And I that really like feels that. more realistic to me than, oh, I'm never going to be upset about anything. I really like that. That's a really good tool. Um, guys, if you like this episode, remember to screenshot the episode, tag us and tell us what you thought of it on social media. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. Um, we're launching a new YouTube channel in January. Mm-hmm. So uh, check us out there. Follow us now and then be the first to see all the, the clips and videos we have. Um, also, you know how podcasts and stuff work, right? It's word of mouth. Tell your friends. Um, don't don't keep us to yourself. Share. Um, tell your friends. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. And please leave us a five-star rating or review uh, wherever you listen to us. Um, I'm also on social media. I'm at uh, Natasha Chandale on Instagram. Um, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Uh, I've also started a new Amazon shop where I share everything from my favorite books to um, how to start a podcast, starter kit. So check that out there. You know, when you're talking about, okay, having the awareness and then talking to a partner, mm-hmm. what are some tips you have for people? To, like, how do they initiate that conversation to tell them they even have a mental health issue? And should people be saying that on like a first date? Yeah, this is probably like the question I get asked the most. And I wish there was like, and then you follow it at this exact time is when you tell this. But unfortunately, life's not really works like that. I think that the better barometer is like, what stage of dating are you at, right? So like there are going to be relationships that are pretty casual where maybe you have been hanging out, hooking up for like six months, but you don't even like know where they're from or like what their parents do. And so if it's kind of like a surface level, more casual relationship, then I don't think that you necessarily even need to get into that. But if you get to a point where they're really sharing with you things about their lives and you're trying to share your histories and like truly get to know each other, then I think that that's a window to start to share that stuff. And like, honestly, if you're 35 and you go on a first date with someone and it's a four hour date, it might come up on the first date. And I think that that's totally fine and valid. Might come up on the third, might come up on the seventh. Like it's really more about like the intensity of what you two are building together. And then in terms of like what to share, I think that you have to be like mindful of how the person is receiving the information. So a lot of times when we share things about ourselves that maybe we feel some, maybe not shame because maybe we've worked through that. I actually think that it's really important to work on your relationship towards your mental health so that like you're not sharing it with shame. You're sharing it with like, this is information about me. Um, 
and be cognizant of how they're receiving it, right? Because a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm very afraid of how they're going to perceive me. But it's actually a great moment for you to perceive them, right? For you to say like, are they handling this well? Like, are they curious? Are they asking more questions? Do I see that they have a good capacity for empathy and to want to get to know me? But if you like share like, oh, you know, I'm on antidepressants and they go, cool, what movie do you want to watch? <laughs> like, yeah. maybe that's not a person who is worthy of of all of knowing you, you know, of like knowing all yeah. of you. And, you know, I think I used to share pretty compulsively where it was like, let me get everything out on the table so you can like reject me or not. And you want to make sure that you're not sharing from a place of fear. You want to be sharing from a place of, I think you've earned this. You've earned getting to know this element of me. And so when it comes to like how much, how fast, I think it's also like, what is relevant to you in today? You know, because some of us have like pretty intense mental health histories, but for the last few years, we've been in a much better place, right? So like maybe bringing up like, like that you were suicidal 10 years ago isn't, I mean, eventually that'll come out if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, but maybe that's not as relevant to who you are today, right? So like, I think really leading with like who you are today, your relationship with your mental health today, um, and then kind of letting the details come out over time. Um, But if for whatever reason on your first date, you both get into a really deep conversation about it, you feel heard, you feel seen, like, I think it's fine to share, you know? Yeah, because I do think that's one of the probably most common mistakes people make is they're like, I'm going to lay it all on the table on date one and let them, let me see. It's almost like a test. Like, Mm -hmm. let me see if they'll take it. And I'm also just kind of like, hey, listen, the other person is also a human being and like, they don't know you yet. So uh, expecting some stranger to take all your baggage right off the top, which is totally fair. We all have it. There's nothing wrong with it. But to expect that is a, a little much too, right? It's just going like they they don't know yet where they even how they feel about you. So like sometimes you have to let somebody um, kind of come into it a little slowly. But again, like you said, if it does come up naturally, that makes complete sense because sometimes people do get deep on a four hour date and they're revealing things. Um, but I think like you said, knowing the intention of why you're saying is it out of fear, is it out of testing them? Right. Um, and that might not be a fair thing to throw on somebody. Um, I definitely have done it. <laughs> um, and, and I learned the hard way that that wasn't a fair thing to do. Um, and I also think that like, sometimes you're not in a place to date. And that doesn't mean that you won't get to a place where you're ready to date. But like there are times where our mental health is just not stable enough to put ourselves in such vulnerable situations. And I think that like a way to kind of like figure that out is to like look at other areas of your life, right? So like, are you struggling with your mental health, with your work? Are you struggling with your friends? Are you struggling with your family? If that's the case, then maybe like you'll probably be struggling dating too. So maybe like we're going to get you back to baseline, get you stabilized a little bit before you you go back into the dating pool. But, you know, if you're if you're feeling good, like if you, you know, things are going well in the rest of your life, then I think the other thing to look at is like, what beliefs do you have about dating? Right. Because if you're going into dating thinking if this person doesn't like me, then I'm a piece of shit. That's a dangerous way to date. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Because like some random person can really throw you off and can really affect your mental health. But if you go into dating saying like, uh, I'm hoping to find a relationship 
And that takes some time and effort because I'm not compatible with everybody. Then it's not going to like throw you as much when a date goes badly or when you get ghosted or, you know, you, it doesn't move forward with someone you liked. And so I think like really examining kind of the thoughts we believe about dating and what we need to kind of work on there can be really helpful in making sure that when we do date, we are in a better place to like protect our mental health. Kind of daters. Are you a catch but not getting any matches on your dating app profile? then Profile Booster is perfect for you. It's a brand new service offered by Kinda Dating to optimize your dating app profile so you can reflect the best version of yourself online and get the matches you deserve. With sometimes five pictures and three prompts, it's hard to showcase your full self. You'll be working with me, Natasha Chandel, a dating expert and professional screenwriter, and Luis Miranda, a veteran brand strategist with a track record of success. Oh, and we're a real-life couple. After a string of our own failed relationships and shitty dates, Luis and I individually decided to get more intentional about our love lives. We crafted dating app profiles that stood out, were memorable, and were authentically us. We matched on a dating app just three weeks before the pandemic lockdown and recently celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Since then, we've successfully helped friends do the same and now want to help you. We'll customize a plan just for you so you can showcase your authentic voice and image to attract the right match for you. Ready to boost your love life? Profile Booster is available now at an incredibly affordable price. Visit www.kindadating.com services and let's transform your dating profile and get you more matches today. So I used to have, um, outside of anxiety and depression, I was in a, in an abusive relationship um, many years ago and, uh, I developed severe PTSD, um, because it was like also physical. So there was a period of time, um, I actually couldn't physically be around men. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they tried, I like freaked out, uh, you know, and I would get very angry and like a way of defending myself, even though nothing was happening. Um, and uh, there's a guest who's been on the podcast who even called me out on it because he's a, a friend, but we went on a date many years ago. And uh, he was like, bitch, you were like on one where I was just talking about, like I went on this like date with him, fully reactive and talking about my abusive ex. Mm -hmm. um, but like just probably way too much. Like I kept talking about it the whole night. And at the time I was thinking and wanting this other person to be kind of my savior. That's what I realized. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted him to come in and go, oh my God, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I will make sure this never happens mm -hmm. to you. But it was just too much. And it was really like where I realized that I shouldn't be dating at that time. Yeah. That I needed to do the work where I was less reactive to the triggers and all that stuff and like really get to a place because then I was also, um, not only was I saying too much, I was doing too much. I was pushing people away. I was then kind of also being mean to people, you know, because there were some guys who were like, I'll fix you. And I was like, go fuck yourself. You know, yeah. I was like, I don't need fixing. Um, but, I, but it, I, I needed fixing, but I needed to do the fixing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is very important to sometimes just recognize that, it's okay to take a break. Definitely. Um, 
Because and that doesn't mean that you are never going to be able to date. Like, I think that there's this feeling sometimes when we're really struggling that like, well, that's it for me. I'm I'm broken or I'm unlovable or I can't get past this. But, you know, like you said, putting in the work. And also, you know, sometimes there are some things that we can only really learn when we're in relationship with another person. So mm-hmm. I think that this like messaging that like you have to, you know, you have to solve all of your own stuff and you have to like be totally, completely good on your own and you don't need a relationship. And then that's how you're good in a relationship. It's like, no, like some of these skill sets you have to learn with another person. Like there's only so much that you can do in in preparation. But I think like what you're talking about, you can get yourself to a level where you're prepared enough that it doesn't throw you that much. And then there's going to be, I mean, I would assume that even once you were better, your next big relationship probably did bring up things for you. And like you had to work through that with your partner. And so. Like, oh, I mean, to this day, yeah, to this day, that's that's definitely an ongoing battle for sure. I think what we're talking about is like that initial moment when you know that your um, pain is reactive. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you just had a breakup or you just had some trauma happen doesn't mean you got to just like get back out there and maybe you just need a break and it's cool. Like take a grieve, like you said, right? Grieve it. Um, Feel the loss, feel the pain. Just be okay uh, being alone for a little bit sometimes. But again, that's not a rule either, right? Sometimes you just got to get back out there. And sometimes, yeah. And sometimes it's like, okay, it's hard to know, like, am I healed enough? Right. And that can be hard. And then I think that that's where it's really helpful to be very cognizant of who you pick to engage with because there are going to be people that are much more understanding than other people. And so, you know, when you have certain struggles, like you want to make sure that like, for example, if you go out with someone and they're like, I don't believe in therapy and you've been in therapy for 10 years, probably not a good match. (laughs) You know, like a person doesn't need to like be an expert in OCD, for example, like my husband is still learning about my OCD, but there's like a curiosity there. There's a lack of judgment there. Um, And so that like enables us to like learn together rather than someone who like will immediately shut it down or is coming into the relationship with some notions that really aren't healthy for you to have to deal with and fight about all the time. Yeah. I think, um, gauging someone's emotional intelligence is very important, right? Not everybody is equipped. Um, Again, like when I was living with that guy who cheated on me with grandmas. I'm very (laughs) Um, curious about this. Such a fun thing. Multiple grandmas? Uh, I mean, he was on a senior's dating site, so I'm not sure how many it were, but um, I caught him on that and I was like, well, this is a fun thing. Um, But I remember, so during our, that relationship, I got in a really bad car accident mm-hmm. and I had a severe head injury. And so I was recovering from that head injury and he couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when uh, now you have a severe concussion, but that concussion was um, making me, uh, like I literally couldn't process uh, emotions. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would have outbursts if somebody just didn't stop talking when I was like, please stop talking. And like, yeah. they wouldn't, I was like, ah, stop talking. Cause it was hurting my head. Mm-hmm. And so I would like have these outbursts or cry a lot or, you know, all those things. Yeah. Cause you can't control what's happening. And he couldn't handle it. And, um, crazy enough, we ended up having a, uh, or I ended up having a lawsuit around the, the case because I got, I got hit by a truck. And so, um, when they did the deposition, they deposed him and they were like, she says 
you couldn't handle her her mental health issues because like a big part of it was like I became depressed. Yeah. And and he actually admitted it. And he said, she's right. I couldn't. And she goes, he's like, I did not know why she was acting the way she was, even though she told me. She's, he's like, I just couldn't understand why a head injury would cause this. And that just shows me, I mean, firstly, I was just very impressed that he did that. But it also just shows that he didn't have the emotional intelligence at the time. Maybe he does now, but at the time he didn't. He didn't have the capacity to handle what I was going through. And, and like you said, you learn in a relationship from somebody also what you need and don't need and their action and inaction shows you a lot too. So in our case, it was that like, sometimes you can date somebody and um, like your partner seems to have the emotional intelligence to want to learn. And he's like, cool, let me educate myself. Let me figure out um, what she's experiencing. And then you might date, be with somebody who like just doesn't give a fuck. And look, I think that it used to be a feeling of like, well, how dare you not want to deal with my mental health? And now I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm not saying it's a like, bad totally. thing. Totally. Like there are certain people where what they want and expect out of a relationship is vastly different than what you want and expect out of a relationship. And that's okay. It's just important to know that. Yes. And I think that that's why like you have to have intense and serious conversations earlier on than a lot of people do. And like, again, like what we were talking about, you don't need to lay it all out there right away. But I do think that like, if your intention is to become a life partner with somebody, that's very different than dating somebody. And so if your intention is like, I want this person to be my actual life partner, whether you get married or don't get married, like you need to touch base about certain things. And you need to touch base about like, what what does it look like for you for us to 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 meld our lives because that's really what it is and like how much space are you willing to give me in your life and how much space do you want in my life and you know like my husband and I both happen to be people where we just like to be together a lot and there are couples that aren't like that where it's like one person likes to go travel alone and the other person doesn't mind because they're out with their friends all day watching football and like that's neither is good or bad. But like if you have one person who wants to be together all the time and the other person wants to travel to foreign countries alone, that's always going to be a problem. <laughs> 100%. Every couple has to figure out their own formula that works for them. And exactly what you're saying doesn't make somebody wrong for not right. being able to have that emotional intelligence. Just means it's not a fit if you need it. Right. Exactly. If you need it and that person can't give it to you, that might be a problem. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that them not being able to handle that is a bad thing because everybody has their own wants and needs in life. So I also agree. I get that. Um, as we wrap out, I definitely want to talk about, because, um, you know, I think breakups are the hardest thing in general. Mm -hmm. It can feel even worse when you have mental health issues. Yeah. So two-part question. One, what are some tips, you know, for people who are experiencing mental health issues to handle breakups? And then I have a harder question for you. Okay, let me well, answer. Maybe the harder question. Should I answer Yeah, the answer one? Okay, this here one. we go. Um, so I talk a lot about, like, when a breakup happens, there are two things that you're feeling. One is grief and one is rejection. And I think it's really important to lean into the grief and to not feed the rejection because you're always going to feel grief. It's a true loss. It can feel like the death. It's going to rock you. There's going to be sadness. You need to properly grieve it and hold space for it. But rejection 
is a bitch. And rejection doesn't really help us unless like you behave badly in the relationship, right? Like sometimes people break up with you because you were a dick or you mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes there is something where like, okay, I, I, and this has happened to me where it's like, I need to learn something from this. But sometimes, like we said, it's just an incompatibility, different life stage, whatever. And I think that like giving too much credit and and too much, giving too much energy to the rejection is how you end up really hurting yourself. Because then you're like, again, like I'm garbage. Uh, Everyone is going to hate me. I'm never going to find love. Like touching on that rejection is how you spiral into like really beating yourself up in a way that's not helpful. So I really instead try to say like, let's focus on the grief. Let's like actually, you know, like process this loss and then not attach more meaning to it than needs to be attached. That's very wise. (laughs) Now the tougher question. Okay, let's see if I blow this one. Um, How do you break up with somebody who has severe mental health issues? Right, this is tough. Um, So again, like mental health issues really vary. Um, So if you are worried that they are going to harm themselves, then I think that it's really helpful to clue someone in that this is coming, someone in their support system. So maybe if you know their parents or you know their best friend or their roommate, kind of giving them almost like um, either a heads up or a call right afterwards so that they know to check in with them. Um, That's something I've done where I like, I think after I broke up with someone, I like actually broke up with him in his therapist's office. And so like that felt better because like I was like Somebody's she was there, right there. To, to take care of him she was she knew what was going on like if they're in therapy that's always an option too you know to, to break up in the in a session with them um if it you know if if maybe you're not as worried about self-harm um I think it's really about doing it with compassion and with clarity so like ghosting I think is is not acceptable behavior mm-hmm. I think it's become acceptable and like a norm, but I really, really push against it. And I think it is a really cruel thing to do to somebody. So I think if you're in a relationship, doing it in person, doing it in a clear way, allowing them to have a reaction, right? Instead of like, you know, like allowing them to feel what they need to feel, to get mad at you if they need to get mad at you, but really just doing it as compassionately and clearly as possible. Um, And then, you know, kind of making sure that there's someone in to kind of step in after you to, to give them the support that that doesn't make sense for you to give anymore. That is, uh, those are very, very good tips. You passed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last question as we wrap out this episode, Um, you know, earlier you talked a little bit about catastrophizing and um, especially as a hardcore overthinker, Mm -hmm. Um, what is the difference between, you know, having valid concerns and actually thinking about problems uh, or what could be problems versus catastrophizing? Yeah. So a good game to play with yourself is like, is this a fact or is this a thought? So like a Mm. fact might be, I am devastated that so-and-so broke up with me. That's a fact. That's how you're feeling. But a thought is I will never love anyone as much as I loved so-and-so. It's like, how do you know? You haven't lived your whole life yet. And so like really piecemealing each thought to be like, you know, like uh, I'm unlovable. Can't prove that thought. Like I, my boyfriend fell out of love with me. Fact. Okay. But you don't need to go anywhere past what that fact was. Mm -hmm. And so if you're saying anything to yourself with certain, like certain words, like never or always, 
those are some signs that you're like heading into catastrophizing because you're you're painting with a very very wide brush. <laughs> Again, very wise. I love it. <laughs> um, well, Allison Raskin, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're not totally done. We oh. do something called six questions. Oh, all right, here we, we go. We ask every guest the exact same six questions. Allison Raskin. Are you ready for your six questions? I'm ready. All right. Um, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Whew. Um, uh, if, if they laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yes. Uh, what is one deal breaker? Um, a deal breaker, I think for me, would be if they were a Republican. Fair. What turns you on? Uh, when they're funny. Nice. <laughs> uh, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Oh, I think um, weakness for me is that I have contamination OCD and I make my partners abide by rules that are based on nothing other than my own mental illness. And then a uh, strength would be, um, I think that I am uh, a good listener. What is love? I think love is the moments that you have with a person. Like, I think that it's really hard to define what love is. And so instead I try to say, I, I try to capture and think about little moments rather than feelings because feelings are harder to define. Mm, I like that. Uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um, you're so great. <laughs> you're so great. We'll give you that. <laughs> well, Allison, you are so great. Thank you for, again, for being on the podcast. How can everyone find you, your book, and all your uh, wonderful work? Because you have a ton. Yeah, this will be a long list, unfortunately. I know. I like it. I like it. And it'll all be, guys, in the show notes of this episode. So please make sure you follow Allison. But please tell us. Yeah, you can get my book, Overthinking About You, pretty much anywhere books are sold. I have my own podcast called Just Between Us that you can find on podcast apps. I also have um, a Substack and Instagram focused on my mental health content called Emotional Support Lady. And then just my socials are at Allison Raskin. Love it. And again, guys, all of this will be in the show notes of this episode. So please make sure you follow Allison. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, friends, we're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Thanks so much for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, make sure you screenshot it and tag us on social media. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandale. Aisha Holden is my co-host and our social media producer. And we only sound great thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Adam Pineless. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.